Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Social Contract, a Commander podcast. I'm Mike Almond, and joining me is my co-host, Alex Lapp. Alex! What's up, man? Not too much, Mike. And how are you doing today? We're good. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm thrilled. We're, we're finally going to do it, man. We're going to we're we gonna solve. We're solving EDH power level. Uh-oh. We've got it. Definitive. It's here. There's a chart. Uh-oh. There's graphs. It's perfect. So it, don't worry about it anymore, anybody. We got it. We've got it taken care of. Or at least like. Kind of. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think that anyone who's been around the EDH scene for more than a couple of years has probably, uh, if not. Mm-hmm. Uh, seen a, a wealth of different attempts at power scales have at least heard of the concept of a power right. scale or at least heard of uh, Jason Alt's infamous 75% theory uh, mm-hmm. heard of the 1 to 10 power scale seen probably your, yeah, your favorite more. content creator has yeah. probably come up with one and today we will not be coming up with one of our own no, because that no, would be entirely too ambitious yeah, um, no, I no. think there's definitely a conversation that uh, that we'll have after this about uh, about the efficiency of this power skill and, and whether yeah. indeed power skills are a problem that can be easily solved. But I I saw this one the other month huh? and uh, and I was immediately intrigued. Um, yeah, let's uh, let's start with who this is from here. Yeah, this credit is, where credit this is. This is due. from Beebles on Love Tapped it. Out, and the name of this scale is called uh, the EDH Multiverse. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a model of the EDH landscape. And uh, if you're watching on YouTube um, or if you are at a computer, then being able to, to see what we're looking at is, is probably yep. going to be helpful. But we're going to be with you every step of the way here. Um, yeah. Let's let's start before this, though. Yeah. What is a power scale? Why is it important? Why are we going to dedicate an entire episode here to a new power scale? What's going on here? Um, right. I think most of our listeners probably know, Mike, that power scale, we're talking about how strong the deck is. That's basically what we're trying to go mm-hmm. for. How fast does it win? How resilient is it? How mean is it? Um, what can it do uh, by itself? What can it do to uh, when other decks are trying to interrupt it? Right. Things like that. There's a lot of different aspects that go into it, but... It's it's more of a idea that people hold in their heads than a scientific like oh well I put my deck in the power algorithm and it came out to be a five point four yeah right. that has never existed although we did incidentally yeah, I was gonna say, we did the, uh, the create April 1st. a an April first <laughs> April Fool's joke power scale where you could uh, on EDH rec where you could put in your deck list and it would you know churn for a bit and it would pump out a seven but it was always Every a seven. Time. Uh, very funny joke because I think in general in in uh, in school certainly and in film reviews and anything seven is mm-hmm. perceived to be average and I think that a lot of people will say that their deck is at or around a seven, um, which kind of really squeezes uh, the the scale right, doesn't it? To so that anything above average, you only have eight, nine, and ten. And a lot of people say that nine and ten are only for CDH. Right. And then for the lower end of the scale, you have all these numbers, one through six. And do you really even need that many numbers to describe various amounts of bad? It's just it hasn't been a very 
easy thing to define. So a lot of different content creators. I know Channel Fireball did one. I know the Command Zone has done one. Um, I think. Uh, oh, we're gonna Children do Community one. College it's just that ours, one. our ours is gonna be like four minutes long, as far as what the power scale is, because it'll be like, wow, that's way too strong. Uh, the tier below that will be strong. Tier below uh-huh. that, you know what I mean? Like, we'll 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 make one, but. I like, and here's the thing, you even in kind of going into the preamble of power scale, right? It's, this is basically what power scale is. You said things like, how fast does it win? Mm -hmm. How powerful is it? How does it interact? All these other things. And there are 10 other things. Oh yeah. That you and I wouldn't think about that a lot of other players would. And there's a bunch of stuff that you and I definitely think about. Yeah. Because we're also leaning on the, hey, how much interaction do you do as a player? Right. Like, as an individual with everybody else at the table. Less, less, yeah, interaction on the actual battlefield definitely yeah. matters. But, like, how much do you actually talk with people in this? Or is this like a, you know, no, turns one and two are where I'm going to win the game. Or at least get close to winning the game, which means I am not interacting. I'm just going. You know what I mean? So... There's a lot of different ways to look at it, and I kind of like this, I, again, the EDH metaverse as far as a, hey, here's an interpretation yeah. of the format, and what would you like to play in it? And it is, uh, you, you mentioned before, we're going we're gonna to put a link in our actual uh, show notes for people listening on the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, you're going to see the entire thing, and we'll be highlighting areas as we go. Uh if you're not watching on YouTube, you might have, if, if there was an episode to pick. <laughs> we're going to do our best here, but there is a we're visual try, component yeah. to this power scale that we're going to do our best to approximate. But I think that the best experience to following along is going to, uh, at least to have a picture of what we're looking at pulled up here. Because right. the most important aspect uh, that differentiates this power scale from other power scales is that this is a two-dimensional scale. Yeah, um, and we'll, we'll we'll try and give kind of a recap regardless yeah. as we're finishing uh, each topic. So, like most graphs, uh, do you want to start on the x-axis or the y-axis here? Yeah. So let's let's as, first talk yeah. abstract, right? So the Perfect. we're we're talking about a two-dimensional chart, which means we have two different axes of power that we're measuring against. Um, mm-hmm. We have one axis that's uh, is about interaction interaction impact yep. like what how much can people do to your deck before it's starting to have trouble before it's win con is not possible to reach mm-hmm. uh, alternate win cons things like that and then we have uh, the usual scale that people are talking about the actual power level um, right how fast are we going things like that and so we have have those along two different axes here and naturally that's going to plot out this grid and and the creator Babels has uh sort of created these zones of yeah. of sort of families of decks that fall along this scale for example uh, in the casual edh section they have walled off it's on the low end of interaction impacts and the low end of power and then the opposite exactly the opposite has uh, along the high end of power uh, we have CDH, and, and in between we have high-power casual and tolerant casual. We'll get into all of that, but uh, yeah. 
let's start first and foremost by uh, starting with what's familiar. Let's start with the power scale that Beebles has has set out here in the EDH multiverse. Yeah. Um, let's start with the the fun one right here at the bottom. <laughs> Uh, yep. Levels one and two, Mike, not for power, jank decks. Mike, talk to us about jank. So, <laughs> not for power, jank decks. I love, I love the overall synopsis of this because jank's jank is in my realm. Yeah, jank is. Jank. I want to play things. I want to play things that people don't see. Yeah, we literally have a segment. Ooh, can I see that? Yeah. Where it's, it's not about being the most powerful card that no one's ever heard of. It's about being a card. That when you play it in this deck, no one's ever heard of it, and it's really cool in that deck, right? Yeah. Um, so that said, not for power, jank decks, one star out of five as far as, you know, the raising of the power level here. Built to an achieve an alternate goal at the cost of being able to win, or built without much understanding of what is required to win EDH games. Now, I like that it is an or, like comma right. or. So, because you can make a I, jank deck on purpose, and indeed you do. Right. Yes. Yeah. I in fact, uh for a friend's birthday gift, I am going to make them uh a commander deck that is Volo, that's all about like the having different creature types. But I'm going to try and use the rarest of creature types, like the oh, there's three of these in the game. Oh, you mean like Feldegriff? Yeah. Yeah. But you know, different colors, because Volo, I wish you had more <laughs> colors. Yeah. But yeah, that yeah. like that's the plan with that deck, right? Um and, and why maybe that thing can win every once in a while. But the whole reason I'm building it is I want to have this weird encyclopedia of the weirdest creature types in magic. Of course. Zubera. And that's, that's the point of the deck. Yeah. Yeah. That's the point of the point deck, of right? Um, so it it's not built because I don't know how magic works. It's yeah, Mike, don't you know how magic works? Good. You have to build a deck that's good. What's wrong with that? Oh. Oh, oh boy. I uh, We're going to have to cancel the podcast. Um, but the point <laughs> is, wins are rare and are usually made by are made possible by actions of other players, right? So maybe you can win with this deck, but it's not necessarily built to do that. In fact, it's not being built to do that. The alternate goal as the cost of being able to win. Right. And if it does win, usually it requires some help. And we, we have an extended explanation here. It says expect decks that do something different than win. Uh, yeah. can include quirky jank builds, such as Ladies Looking Left, classic. Uh, yep. Certain Vorthos decks, which means lore-based decks. Uh, mm -hmm. Some Group Hug and Chaos decks. Uh, I, I appreciate the sum. The Group Hug decks that we make are not down here, largely. No, largely. for the most part. Yeah, uh, Decks that seek to end games in a tie. Yee. Uh, suicide ooh, decks. Ooh, ooh. Decks that are made by newcomers with limited access to the card pool. Uh, limited right. budget and limited knowledge of the format. Um, so yeah, that's that's what's important here, right? You have the brand new players who are taking their first crack at building a deck, but they're not neck decking. So it might be, you know, not very synergistic. It might be having some bad synergy, some trouble with the actual deck building mm -hmm. process. Alternatively, you have very silly people like Mike and myself. Now, I personally don't have any oh. decks in this range, but I could definitely see that happening. And it like Mike said, it's not because you don't know what you're doing. It's because you do know what you're doing and you're doing it wrong on purpose. <laughs> you right. want you want a silly deck. That's what this yeah. is for. Exactly. Uh, and, and again, this is this is in the lowest tier yeah. as far as like overall power. But I do like that it's not just like low power slash play to win. It's play to socialize and play to win. Right. This is more of a, I want to make this deck, I want to do this specific thing, or I want to make something that is built around this theme, 
etc. Right. Cool. And then on a different axis, but at the same power level, now we have the interaction axis. And what does that mean if you have a low power level on that axis? Uh, no impact lenient decks. It says it will allow its opponents to advance their game plan uninterrupted most of the time and yeah. relies on other players to deal with problems. Right. That makes yep. a lot of sense. If you're building a janky deck or a lore deck or you're a new player building a deck, you're probably not necessarily including a lot of removal and board wipes, counter magic, uh, things that stop other people from winning the game because those are very directed things that are planned. Now, maybe your Vorthos deck, you know, might just necessarily happen to include, you know, a a counter spell that's tribal or something like that, but it's, it's not going to be running a counter spell package is the important removal package. Um, And then down it says, what can I expect at this interaction impact at this low power level? Expect to receive little resistance from this deck. Uh, most cards are used for helping this deck do its own thing. Think less than five slots for interaction, i.e. single target removal, board wipes, protection counter spells, or other effects that stop an opponent's uh, right. actions. Yeah, so janky decks and, and new players' decks usually aren't including a lot of interaction. Um, although, you know, as we move up the scale here, I think it's important to keep in mind that uh, just because a deck doesn't have a lot of interaction doesn't necessarily mean it's jank because when it's time for me to do the thing that we all do, and maybe we'll talk about this another time, intentionally mm-hmm. powering down your deck, I'm sure we have an episode about this, one of the things that I'll do to power my deck down is not necessarily make it less powerful, but I'll make it more fragile, right? Okay. It's more difficult for me to stop other people, and it's easier for other people to stop me. That's simply by removing interaction, um, and you don't want to necessarily remove too much, but if you remove a little bit, then then that can weaken the deck a bit. It it makes it so you don't necessarily have the answer for everything, um, which, you know, it it makes the deck uh, less synergistic and weaker, and sometimes that's what you want. Part of the reason that I was excited about uh, you sending this chart into the Discord and then to have this conversation about it for the podcast is because... I looked here, and first of all, we'll get into the middle tier of, you know, yeah. more of the, oh, here are the different breakdowns of where your numbers are, et cetera, et cetera. Um, but one of the things that I really enjoyed is I went, oh, my power level, according to this chart, is higher than I thought. Yes. But my interaction impact is way lower. Right. And it put me in this weird tier for a lot of my different decks. Like, I don't have like, is this any a six. Text. What is this? Like, yeah, I have. I like you know what I mean. And I kind of liked it because I, I I love the idea of like, hey, there's casual EDH, there's there's casual EDH and regular EDH, and then there's CEDH. And it's like, well, there's no, it's not because think about that. Yeah, there's Otherwise, more. Yeah, yeah. If if that was the only two power levels, if those were the only two tiers in the format, then there wouldn't need to be a power level discussion. It's just. Are you playing CEDH or EDH? Yeah. Oh, okay, cool. Well, we're all doing that too. Yeah, go ahead and play that deck. Um, but let's let's move on to our next number here. Those right. are both kind of our one-two range on everything. Why don't you help me out with our next in the power? Okay. So uh, back to the back to the power scale, and and I realize this may be confusing. We're switching between the axes, but I thought that it might work yeah. a little better if we talk about what's low Creep power, what's low interaction, side. and what's yeah. medium power, medium interaction. So here's here's low power basic decks. This is decks that are in a, a three to four in the power scale, according to this. Uh, winning likely remains the intent 
when playing, but it wasn't the main goal when building this deck. Threatening a win independently is not something this deck will do reliably. Knocking out opponents will usually happen one player at a time. Um, and then the description says here, we're going to expect decks with obvious limitations, such as intentional power constraints, that's important, uh, mm -hmm. a small existing card pool, lower budget, or relatively low effort or knowledge. Uh, may include a combination of different unaligned ideas on how to win, uh, thinking about old pre-cons. Mm -hmm. Includes most pre yeah, includes most pre cons and decks In built my, yeah. <laughs> around achievement type win cons exactly yeah so achievement type win cons that's interesting because Mike you've talked about this this idea of not necessarily winning the game but what I want to do with this deck is get thirty creatures on the board and for me yeah. that's that's my goal yeah like the uh, the the idea of I just want to swing with this creature one time and make it do the crazy thing right. and then. Maybe that's something that I win the game with, or maybe it's something where I do that and then you wipe the board. But that's okay. I still want. I still got to do my thing. Sure. Um, the idea of knocking out opponents will usually happen one player at a time, as opposed to this big alpha striker combo off kind of thing. Um, I I'm glad that you read that out because I was going to say I think most pre cons yes. are in kind of this you know as far as power. Uh, the the number that it's going to be given uh, according to this chart is like a three four range, right? You know, precons have been so, getting a lot more powerful recently. Um, yeah, but I'm I'd think that especially prior to uh, 2020 and like the I'm thinking back to like 2018, 2017, 2016, and before a lot of those decks. It's not necessarily that they're weak; it's that they almost built it in a way that i would describe as bad because they have three different face commanders and sure. and they've sort of put one third of a mm -hmm. deck of each for of each of the commanders of so yeah. that like that and since the commanders don't necessarily synergize the strategies don't either so it's almost like they built you one third of three different decks and put them all together and this results in a very not synergistic deck that needs a lot of cards to be swapped out to to become decent. Um, and I think that as time has gone on, they've really honed in on a specific strategy. And just that change alone has dramatically increased the power level past uh, three, which is what I think most of these old ones were at. Which makes sense because, you know, as a format grows to the point where instead of releasing, you know, a commander deck set once a year... Now they're doing it once a set. Yeah, can you believe and, we used to have one set of commander decks a year? And right. And we have like 50? Right. Yeah. And, that, and you know, you know that combination of doing that and then also having more cards specifically designed for the format. Exactly. Which means that there's, you know, that thought process means that by default, the deck building composition that you would have for, oh, we're going to do our decks this year or for this set. There's going to be more process because there's more cards that are specifically built into it. There's more thought that's put exactly. into it. So technically, you know, if you're putting that much more effort into it, unless you're doing your best to lower the power to a certain point, it's going to be more powerful than the things before it that yeah. we're really thinking. Just about. by building with synergy, even if you're not trying to make it powerful, by its you're own gonna, nature, yeah. powerful things will start to happen. Yeah, that's that. synergy. Exactly. Yeah, synergy. Um, so talk to me so, about what's tier two of, yeah. of interaction impact, Mike? Exactly. Uh, so low impact reactive decks. Okay. So there is some 
intera uh, interaction, included mainly for dealing with emergencies reactively, mm -hmm. right? This is the, uh, I'm going to have a couple of cards that say, oh, nope, this is bad kind of fix, as opposed to anything further, can incidentally bring the winning player back in check, right? This is... This isn't uh, having a deck full of silver bullets. This is having yeah. one or two or a couple that are there specifically for, oh, no, that can't happen. But just that, right? Uh, and for the what can I expect at this interaction impact, expect decks that will slow you down when you become the obvious threat. Being able to answer other players is valued, but the availability of interaction is not a priority. Think to Think up to 10 slots and or mainly pieces of sorcery speed and higher CMC. Which is, so, it's funny that it names a number of slots because I've, I think you and I both listen to a lot of commander content. And mm -hmm. as, as the years have gone on, the number of interaction slots that these content creators have been recommending has steadily risen to the mm -hmm. point where uh, I personally would think that 10 interaction is a very healthy it amount. Like that's a I lot don't of know that I, I don't know that I have a deck that has ten or more. Right, I, my I, stacks I, I, deck I has have that a lot. much. <laughs> right, but that, but that's what it's most built most to of do, my decks right? don't have anywhere near that because that's what would you say? That's like three, four, five board wipes, and then you have, I mean, most decks are not going to have both spot removal and counter magic, or at least a lot of both. Right. Um, so you, I mean, having ten, so five spot removal, five board wipes, or some combination of of counter spells in there. That's a lot of interaction in in my mind personally. So it's really interesting to see that that's uh, if you only have ten spells for for stopping people or protecting your board state. Um, to me, that's that's a really healthy package. So that's interesting yeah. to see it that low. I do like the think up to and or right right. So so it is like hey. That's that. That's this number max, and it's mainly pieces that are sorcery speed, uh, higher CMC, you know, stuff like that. Like, not not the low to the ground, super efficient mm -hmm. removal. It's the uh, I I kind of like the the ones that I had in this place were you know oh I have to stop this player from winning. All right, I have a I have like a counter spell. I have right. you know I have a path. I have a couple of things and. You know, if you're in that couple of this is the only way I can deal with this things or, oh, I have to stop this now. Otherwise, the game's over. I get that. And I, I like the low impact reactive. There's some right emergencies dealing with those reactively. I like it. What do you got for me when we get to where everybody thinks they yeah. are? Everybody thinks they're at the mid-level on everything, right? So our 5-6 range. So yeah, think? let's bump this up to, to mid-power focus decks. Uh, what this deck does to win is a lot more important than how efficient it is at doing it. Win strategies are very clear, but either not the most powerful nor the most optimized. Uh, when it threatens a win, it's usually between turns 8 and 12 uh, and or controlling decks at that speed. Uh, and that clause there at the end is uh, to cover stacks decks, right? Yep. Where stack decks won't necessarily win by turn eight or twelve, but they will be locking decks out that are able to win by turn eight or twelve, and then they right. themselves will, you know, grind the game to a halt, win by turn fifteen, whatever it is. Uh, expect synergistic decks with a clear plan or theme, but also a considerable degree of variance. Right, that's important. Not necessarily a lot of tutors uh, can include a lot of different types of decks, including mid power commanders, more laid back, built higher power commanders. 
and highly tuned low power commanders. It can include less efficient combos that require three cards or more. Um, less, less, less efficient infinite combos. I want to make sure yeah, that less we... efficient infinite combos. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So we're in, we're entering the range where infinite combos it, it it's at least entered the conversation, right? Right. But we're we're not going with the immediate like. Uh, you know, Dead Eye Navigator and Insert Blank. We're talking multiple cards, not efficient, but can do the thing. Right. We've talked okay. about uh, this concept before of valuing out, which is a you know a finite combo that kind of might show up uh, just serendipitously once you have five, six, seven pieces on the board. You might notice like, oh, well, this triggers this and this triggers this and this triggers this and suddenly 200 things have happened but trying to assemble that combo on purpose would be almost unfeasible it just kind of happened because your deck is so synergistic that makes sense that makes sense i like that uh why don't you why don't you lean us into the impact then? yeah the interaction so what about interaction impact at, at this middle tier of uh, five and six uh, Mid-impact balancing decks, interaction is still mainly reactive, but is available more often, can bring balance to the table, but will not lock down other players. It says expect decks that can really set you back a few times during the course of the game. Likely has uh, more of a mix of instant sorceries and different mana values among its interaction pieces, and has ways to protect against the interaction of others becoming more common, up to 15 slots. Now... It's it's so funny that I'm completely on board for all of this, and then we get to up to 15 slots. To me, if your deck is running 15 slots of interaction, mm-hmm. you are way above a five on the interaction table. That's like, sure. I, I just but can't. I, it, it's so strange to me. I like the combo. Though. Yes, I, I like yeah. the combo of the everything else. Hey, this is. I I, I like it as a, kind of a check and balance on on your own self evaluation, right? So if I've got seven things that are interaction from my deck right but they're all really high power right we're, we're talking the zero mana counter spells and you know things along those lines if they're all really high power just because i have fewer of those things than some others what i'm putting in there is still pretty powerful so i, I like that there is kind of a combination of the two but I, I again, we're we're kind of coming from it at, at the the opposite end of the spectrum here because you have you know a couple decks at maximum, one deck that I can think of where you're higher than a few interactive. Pieces. Yeah, I mean, I think that Mustax deck almost certainly has more than fifteen pieces of interaction, but that's sure. really the only. That's one. what it does. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I I, I get it. it. It does make me. It, it does make the hair on my neck stand up just a it's little so bit fast. as like, we talk about You it. just imagine some, like, yeah, my deck's a five. Uh, it's got 15 counter spells. Right. I'm sorry? <laughs> Your deck's a five yeah. and it has 15 counter spells? Well, here's the thing. That that fits on this chart. Apparently. <laughs> and, and that's kind of why I like it. Because it's, it's a, hey, there's two, it, it, there's more than two different types of, of ways to evaluate a deck, right? Uh, you know, as opposed to just power level, power level. When to what? How far does the deck go to for a win? Yeah. And interaction. How far does the deck go to stop others from winning? There's more than that. 
But if you just dial it down to those two main factors, yeah, you can absolutely be a control deck that runs, and we'll talk about all the stops in a little bit as far as interaction, Mm -hmm. but it can be a janky, not-for-power deck that doesn't really do stuff. And then we'll get to that in the future here. Um, but yeah, we, you know, we're at the mid tier point, you know, we're, we're exiting out of the standard casual EDH, tolerant casual EDH decks and leaning into the high power casual. Um, and with that, let's go right into high power optimized decks. So mainly built to win reliably, uh, reliably, but there were also other drivers when building this deck. Win cons that defeat all opponents at once are common, can threaten a win independently between turns 4 and 8 most of the time, and or is built to win by controlling decks of that speed. So that's when we're talking about the power level. What can I expect at this power level? Expect decks that are highly synergistic and that are built to win reliably. Includes higher power win strategies that fall short of the top winning power. Can also include CEDH viable commanders built with a more casual mindset or on a lower budget, as well as fully optimized mid-power ones built with a lot of budget and effort. So everybody, it, you know, you, we've already discussed the joke when we're talking right. about what's your deck's power level. Oh, it's a seven, is. right? Yeah. So if a seven is that, it's built to rely it's built to win reliably. There's a lot of win cons that can defeat everybody at once. Turns four to eight independently are kind of where you want to be at for your win. And it can include, you know, some CEDH level commanders that are toned down a little bit. It can also include casual commanders that are toned up a little bit. As far as a power level. I think that would be surprising to people to hear that, like, hey, my deck's a seven. Okay, cool. So that you win by turn eight? Built. Yeah, it's, it's like, eight. Like, what? No. What? No. Can you win by turn eight? Can you no. win by turn four? Right? Because yeah. it's it, that's where we're in. So I think it makes sense that at this point, seven is kind of the high power. That cash. does make sense, I right? I that phrase. What I was talking about earlier is, is it makes no sense for the average to be at seven, Right. Because then you have one through six, just all this free open space to talk about various kinds of jank, which makes right. just no sense at all. Well, you've discussed it before, you know, the the grading system where, hey, if you get a C, a C yeah. is average right. because you're 70%. Well, that's not average. That's average above failing. Yeah. So fair enough. But we're also in a format where, hey, if you're paying a deck that's a five, it's not failing. Because you are specifically building it to do something around a five or lower, right. a mid power or limited interaction or a jank deck that wants to do something cool, like right. have all of your cards have chairs in them. I think by this metric, like I probably have a couple of five decks, but if I said there were five decks and I brought them out, people would be like, uh, what the hell? You, that's not a five deck. That's not a five. You're like, that's like a seven. Six. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's like, hey. And, and that's where you pull out this chart. That's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to turn this chart into a playmat. Oh, Jesus. And then I'm just going to put it on the table. And I'm going to be like, okay, cool. Tell me where you're at. Um, that's how I'm going to interact with people. In the meantime, uh, what is the interaction impact for high? Yeah, so if we're looking at high-impact resistant decks, mm-hmm. uh, they proactively seek to prevent problems through denial and or has answers up more often than not, sometimes locks other players down temporarily 
Um, that's starting to sound like a control stack stack proper. Yeah. Um, what can I expect at this interaction level? Expect decks that can give you a very hard time. Instant Good. speed and low CMC interaction is prioritized and has pieces of higher impact such as silver bullets or others that deny access to your commander can include strategies okay. such as taxes, turbo fog, and steel decks up to 20 interaction slots. Right, so I think this is where my stacks deck sits because it's a silver bullet stacks deck. Mm-hmm. It's definitely running 20 or more pieces of interaction because that's the main goal of the deck. And it is specifically designed to uh, lock other players out, specifically one player out at a time, uh, mm-hmm. and you know deny access to strategies, deny access to the commander. Um, right. Taxes, lots of fogs, right. lots of you're 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 trying to win con denial. Yes. Without locking out playing the game all at once. Yes. It's a lot of low speed interaction. I, I love, I love the idea. The first sentence it just. Expect decks that can give you a very hard time. Right. right? I think this would also cover um, a lot of other stacks decks, but without necessarily the most oppressive pieces. Like, it might be running um, a lot of tax effects, but it wouldn't necessarily run, say, cards like Stasis. Right. Yeah. It, it's, it's, it's a lot of pieces that low uh, instant speed and low CMC interaction is prioritized. Right? Yeah, because so it, you need you need a wide variety of cards yeah. to be able to lock down specific situations. Right. Yeah. But when it's prioritized, it doesn't mean it's all it's ever going to be. Right. It means that you're definitely leaning that way, but there's still room. Right. right. It's also a token deck, for example. All of my decks <laughs> turn into token decks. Yeah, it's fair. That's How does fair. it but happen? It's it just it's just it's it. Is there anything better than just like oh, I'm going to cast some spells yeah. and now I need. 45 individual cards to put onto the table. Um, So that covers... We covered casual ADH, which it says is going Mm -hmm. from 9 to 12. That was powers 1 through 6. We just went through uh, most of high-power casual and tolerant casual ADH, which is turns Mm -hmm. 5 through 8, it says. Now we're going to get into CEDH. Yeah. And real quick. Yeah. One more thing about this this graph and the minutes and everything. I, I love the fact that, like, the way that the boxes are drawn as far as outlining where things are. It's in between. It's like, yeah, it's yeah. in between. So like casual EDH, just by itself, you know, turns everybody has room to try out their stuff, turns nine to twelve. Yeah, yeah, it's like five point four, five point five. Yeah. And then you get into high power casual EDH, which is like, you know, we're we're leaning into five point five to like a seven point five. And then you get into your C E D H, which is a little bit lower than eight and above, right? So there, there is a little bit of wiggle room in there, which right. is smart because power level. It's um, uh, speaking of, <laughs> I mean, I, this is a, a problem in general with the power scale. Right? Is that mm-hmm. almost all of them? This one included reserve uh, power levels nine and ten for CEDH, which uh, personally I believe, and I I believe a lot of other people might implicitly agree, is effectively a separate format. Nobody would ever. Uh, in good conscience, play a CDH deck at a casual EDH table. Nobody would think that they could bring their casual EDH deck to a CDH table and have a chance. They're just completely different games with the same rules. Um, as long as yeah. people are categorizing EDH into a wide variety of different tiers, right? Right. But if it's just I have a CDH deck or I just have a casual deck, 
And then you sit down and people are like, wait, that's way too powerful for a casual deck. It doesn't mean you're playing CDH, but as far as everybody else is concerned at right. that table, that's, maybe you are. That's what I'm saying. Like, 9 yeah. and 10, I think, should be the pub stomp EDH levels. Like, we don't need sure. level 9 and 10 for CDH because CDH has their own power scale. It's, it's, it is CDH. They have, they have an entirely <laughs> own, like, they have tier 0, 1, 2, and 3. And mm-hmm. all of their their format is almost, I mean, I won't say solved, but solved. Um, yeah, they they don't need nine things. and ten from us at the casual right. side. They have their own stuff, so I don't necessarily agree in general with this power scale and other power scales. Where it's like, oh well, CDH can be nine and ten. It's CDH is not on this scale. They have a separate other scale yeah. that starts after ten for casual. I. I, I again, I get where you're coming from. I think, I think I slightly disagree just because it goes from like, hey, here's a casual EDH, here's a high power casual EDH. Mm-hmm. Like, it, there isn't just a, you know, two tier system as far as it's concerned. I think and there really maybe, is though because it's it's about those goals, right? Like even a, even a pub stomp EDH deck mm-hmm. is not. Like, that couldn't sit at a CDH deck. It just can't. Because CDH decks are so solid. They have specific commanders that they understand Mm. the strategies for. They have specific cards that they run. Um, I mean, the idea of of complaining about a CDH deck being (laughs) net-decked makes sure. no sense to CDH players because sure. you're just running the deck list. That's what it is. And you can right. change it a bit, but, you know, it's like a competitive format. S- other people have done a lot of research and a lot of work to find what can win the game in zero to four turns. And ostensibly, you could find something that would be able to to do that out of the blue, mm-hmm. but I just don't well, know, how- Mike. How about this? How about how about we finish out yeah, let's do it. the yeah. the last power level where we're talking about nines and tens yeah. here, yeah. and then we look at some of our decks and we see where we're at. Because I'm with you, but I also know that I've got some decks that are probably leaning into the nine to ten power level here, right? Based off of the actual explanation, but I also wouldn't call them a CEDH deck either, right? But that's also because my interaction is a lot lower. So I don't know. We'll figure it out. Uh, but speaking of power, uh, so all power, 9 to 10 competitive decks, built to win reliably without compromise. Win conditions defeat all opponents at once, include the fastest, most effective, and most resilient strategies in the format, can reliably threaten a win independently on turn 4 or earlier, and or is built to win reliably by controlling, uh, to win by reliably controlling decks of that speed. Right. You can expect decks that are pushed to the absolute power limit of the format. Includes fully optimized builds of the best commanders, strategies, and win cons, such as the most effective infinite combos in the game, as well as many ways to reach those win cons fast and reliably. Also includes the most powerful control decks, such as CEDH Sacks builds. Uh, I'm actually going to take back what I said before. I don't have a deck in this power level. (laughs) Yeah, I definitely don't have any decks in this power level. Um, my, I don't. I don't have a single deck man. that can win by turn four earlier. Uh, even my stacks deck, which I consider to be quite powerful, uh, there is absolutely no way. And I know because I've tried. It simply right. cannot put the brakes on a CEDH deck because it's not designed to. 
right? Yeah. If I wanted to be able to stop a CDH deck, I would need to be running these just really, really aggressive things that prevent people from even beginning to play out their strategy, which mm-hmm. is fine for CDH, not so fine for casual. So talk to me a little bit about the interaction right. impact. Well, up here at the Tier 5 Interaction Impact, we have all the stops denial decks that actively try to lock down other players and or is always able to interact. It's built to reliably prevent others from playing their game, right? CDH level stacks is extremely, extremely oppressive. It's specifically made so that you don't get to do anything. Uh, Expect decks where interaction is woven into the main strategy. Think over 20 slots and no restraint using denial tactics of the highest impact, like mass land hate, card draw denial, mass land destruction, hate bears, oops all counters, chaos decks recurring board wipe stacks, and other hard locks. Yeah, mm-hmm. hard locks being the big one, right? Because oh, yeah. once a hard lock has been achieved, that's the stack stack equivalent of winning the game. And, you know, the rest is history, right? They can lock down the right. game at turn four. It might not be until turn 11... But the point is, it doesn't matter. But there's At turn four, there's the no way over. that that the right. other players are going to be able to do anything between turns five and eleven. That's just the stack deck top decking into their win con. Yeah, no, one hundred percent. And that's so. Here's here's the thing. I I get it, and and it, we're gonna actually go to because uh, that's 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 the scale, right? Um, yeah, as that's far the scale. as the different, yeah, the again, different ways that the we're EDH going. multiverse from from Beeple's untapped out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I, there are two more factors here that I do want to touch on yeah. because I I love it and I want to give all the credit to Beeple's here because the one thing in there and I wasn't sure if we should have started with this or we should end with it and now I'm happy that we're ending with it. Right. The the about this guide, this model provides an overview of the different ways one could interpret EDH. Mm-hmm. It is meant as a tool to assess in what interpretations of the format you would like to play. It is not meant for facilitating rule zero of conversations, but for analysis outside of the play. <laughs> the white lines marking the main format interpretations are a suggestion and a starting point. When using this model, please draw your own lines and define your own preferred ways to play EDH. Right. This is not a replacement for... What are you doing? Which is good this because is not, that yeah. it's it's almost like we've we begun to realize, right, that a power scale is not implicitly helpful for that it's abstract. real zero it's conversation. Abstract. Because the conversation is what we're about to go over here. How does your deck win? How fast does it win? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Is it able to resist interaction? Is it able to stop other people from winning? How many tutors do you yeah. have? Et cetera, et cetera. I, I love the idea that in like all of this boils down, right? And then the main chart is, hey, I'm playing high power casual, right? Yeah. So I'm playing to win, but not at any cost. Usually casually competitive camp, uh, com, uh, games. And we're talking about turns five to eight, right? That totally makes sense. I get that as opposed to, a oh, you know, everybody gets to try everything out. You know, we'll see Wh- whatever happens, happens. Maybe turn nine to ten for a casual EDH, and then CEDH play to win. Anything that's legal and the format is tolerated, win at any cost, turns one to four. Okay, if you just go in that level, am I going to be really frustrated if I'm playing against a six and a half 
or if I'm playing a six and a half and somebody else is playing an eight, well, we're kind of in the same tier, right? We're, we're, we're both hoping to win around, you know, turn five, eight, nine, ten. But turns five through eight are when big things are going to be starting to happen. Like I think of turns five through eight as, as like the mid to early late game because it, right. it seems to me quite rare that uh, unless somebody just pops right off and nobody can stop them, that a deck at the power level that I'd like to play at would be consistently winning before turn nine. If somebody's consistently winning before turn nine, I'm seeing their deck as very fast and aggressive. And see, I'm seeing a deck that Put it this way, if they win, like, instantly on turn 7 versus turn 7, they're setting up for the win. And it's like, oh, if they get to untap with all this stuff, they're probably going to win. Yeah, I mean, at turn 7, you're starting yeah. to make big plays, but... Um, right. And that's why it's it's the crucial yeah. as opposed to this is the end point. Right. Um, kind of like in the other version of the stacks, the stacks piece where, like, a competitive stacks deck... Not necessarily CDH, but a competitive stacks deck where it's like, I'm going to try and win. I might lock out the game on turn four, but not actually win if we we're gonna if everybody's going to insist we play everything out. I might not win until turn 30, but yeah. I won on turn four. Yeah. I, I kind of see that the same way. as like, I might win on turn seven, but the game goes on till turn eight or nine. Right. You know what I mean? I, 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 I'm finding that I'm a lot more high power casual in most of my decks, according to this chart, which I do dig. I, I, I like there being something in between the, you know, EDH and CEDH. I, tolerant casual EDH is probably one of my favorite things I've heard of because it's based off of all of this. is its own power level from one to eight, but it's a lot of interaction. So it's a, it's yeah. a casual brew. But man, you have to have people playing with you that are going to be totally fine with you running 20 plus right. pieces I think of that's, interaction. That's something that we <laughs> see really often if you look on uh, public EDH forums, such as the EDH subreddit, um, where a lot of strife and friction comes from uh, people having their strategy shut down, not necessarily by playing against a particularly high-powered deck, mm -hmm. but by that deck being able to uh, stop their strategy or because that person writing has brought a deck that is stopping other people's strategies, even though that deck is not very powerful. Right. Um, just because you have the answers, it doesn't make your deck strong, but it does make it highly interactive. And so you kind of have its own family over here on the right side of the graph. Yeah. And, you know, this is, this is like I said, it's not a rule zero replacement. But then, other opposite side of the corner here, uh, Beebles talks about, you know, 10 other things to consider for setting house rules, which I do consider more of a rule zero conversation, right? Because it's literally saying, are we okay with, and then a whole bunch of different things. Uh, decks above, budget, blank. Um, I, I'm less enthusiastic about that one in particular, but I also understand its place in our format. Um, reserve list cards or single cards over blank, same thing. Playtest cards or proxies, okay. Like, you know, sometimes I'm going to play some playtest things. I'm going to play some, you know, hey, can I play some proxies? You and I are very pro-proxies in every way, but I also understand why some other people might have I wouldn't consider playtest cards and proxies to be even remotely the same thing. Some of those play, not, like, Sliv Mizzet. Yeah. <laughs> right. I, 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 I like having the conversation. Like, maybe those should have been two separate questions. But as far as a, hey, we're going to have a conversation. Are we cool with this? Are we cool with this? Are we cool with this? 
uh, mana positive, mana rocks apart from Soul Ring. That is something that is like really becoming a, a big talking point. As far as, you know, as things get more hyper-efficient and, hey, get rid of all of your three mana mana rocks, uh, go down to two, or things have to double, you know, I can understand that being a power-level conversation because it is a deck-building conversation. It's, I mean, it's not a simple conversation, though, right? Because those rocks are really one of the only ways that some colors can keep up with, with green, like green sure. can ramp so aggressive, no one's going to look like wow. Green is a two mana ramp spell or a one mana mana positive right. ramp spell. Like wow, that's fast mana. No, it doesn't. Nobody thinks about it that <laughs> way. That's just green doing what it does. But if you pull out your right. mana crypt uh, in your white deck, oh, that's a big problem because that's a fast mana rock. But that's well, like a, how else are you going to keep mana, up with it? It's a fast mana rock and it's a hundred and fifty plus dollars. And it's like, well, yeah, but. If I play, that guy just played Carpet of Flowers. Yeah, you know what I mean? There's there's a bunch of other things. In, and that's why, again, I get the... I, I, I like the idea of, hey, it's a conversation piece. Right. You know, it's like, oh, yeah, I you know, I'm running a Mana Crypt in this deck. And I'm running a, uh, you know, an, another one. I don't know. Uh, my brain's gone. This is but a good... Like, the... Oh, I'm running a couple, but it, it it's because it's to get to this power. This level. is a or good segue, though, right? Because I have... Yeah. An Emrakul deck. We've done a deck tech on it on this show. And yeah. I would say that it is, you know, somewhere in that focus to optimized area, but on the interaction scale, crucially, it's mm. really low. Uh, if only because there are very few counter spells, board wipes, and spot right. rolling colorless. Uh, however, just because it has low interaction and is fragile doesn't mean it's a low power deck. And just right. because it's a high power deck doesn't mean that it's resistant to being messed with. So this yeah. is perfect for that, right? I have a deck that's potentially a seven or an eight, but its interaction is like a two or a three, maybe. Yep. And three yep. is even saying 10 interaction. I doubt I have 10 interaction, but I know that I probably have 20 or 30 pieces of ramp. Sure. And that makes sense. You know, um, I was going to say a lot of my decks are... I'm thinking about it real hard because I, I don't want to do the thing at the, you know, that you don't want to do at the table where it's, hey, this is not a CEDH deck. And it's not a CEDH deck because I'm not winning on turn four. Right. right. But like, I've got a lot of decks that are doing really scary, really powerful stuff at turn five, six. But my interaction. Pfft, Nothing. Yeah. I, I, I'm, I've got a lot of glass cannons, right. according to this, but just a tier below. Because optimize, re- win reliably. Yes. Win cons that defeat all opponents at once are common. Yes. Hey, Mike, all I'm going to wipe your board. Well, I lose. Right. And maybe I've got like, right. again, we're looking into the low impact thing where it's like, oh, well, okay. Yeah. I, hopefully I can defend against it or I can build it back up again real fast. Um. I, I like this other question on here. Uh, unconditional tutors and conditional tutors. Right. Okay. Like, tutors is a big conversation piece where it's, hey, if you're if you're running a lot of tutors... That's a more powerful a deck. Tutors, yeah, because you're trying to get right. specific things. Your deck is becoming right? more consistent, and it's easier for you to find those integral pieces that allow you to mm-hmm. assemble a win, or in the opposite direction... Uh, those integral toolbox pieces that allow you to shut down someone else's strategy, right. which is why 
I run uh, probably not that many, but I do have a, at least a couple of tutors in, in the stacks there because I sure. need to be able to find the the piece to lock down the current strategy. I, I love I love the next one being counter spells. And that's yeah. it. Not not how many or what types or you know CFC or yeah. anything like that, but just counter spells. Uh, but th- that's fair. Like, hey, if you're going to be playing against a deck where the entire theme of that deck is to counter as many things as possible, I would Hyper like to know all. that ahead of time yeah. so I can at least prepare for that kind of game. Not necessarily be like, oh, I'm going to play my deck that's also known as a permission deck. Yeah, but. I would like to know I'm playing a permission deck because at least then I can, you know, say, okay, I'm going to have a lot of stuff that's just denied to me this game. Cool. I understand. As opposed to it just, okay, I'm going to cast my commander on turn two. No, you're not. Okay. No, I'm not. It's going to be one of those games. Got it. Yeah. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Uh, specific banned or unbanned cards. Sure. Uh, I mean, house rules or playing... something else yeah. really. Yeah. Uh, and and I get that on that one. Here's here's the one that I really wanted to get to though. I win now cards. Alex, how many expropriates do you run? Uh, cards named expropriate zero. Yeah. Yeah. How many how many cyclonic rifts do you run? Uh, I have one in my stacks deck. There, like that's what I'm. T- I like that as a premise. Like there are a couple of cards that are just like. I'm going to win now or I'm going to stop everybody from winning. Yeah. And knowing if you're playing a deck that's running some of those cards does make sense to me. Because maybe you just draw it randomly. Maybe you have conditional or unconditional tutors to go get it. Maybe a bunch of different maybes that lead into the fact of, hey, are you running this extremely powerful card that if you cast it, you're probably going to win the game? Because if so, there's at least a power level that you're hitting, and you have to you have to kind of own up to that, right? You don't get to tell me that you're running a low power or jank deck with yeah. expropriate in it, unless the whole point of the deck is to be terrible and cast expropriate. Like, I like that as a as a premise. And then uh, you've got your game ending combos of, you know, two or less cards, which if you have a game ending combo of one card, that's, I don't know how you do that, uh, but cool. And then game ending combos of three or more cards, just as far as like, Hey, how many ways can you go infinite with this deck? How many ways can you do this thing that just wins? I don't mind that as part of like part of the rule zero discussion. As or house rules that you're making or whatever. Um, what do you think? Yeah, I think that the most important thing to look at when you're talking about infinite combos is, of course, the number of cards is important, but it's really more about how that exists as a function of how, how easy or difficult it is to assemble that combo, yeah. right? Because a two-card combo... If you have a lot of tutors, is very easy to assemble. You're probably mm-hmm. going to be able to get it within a few turns. You just find a few tutors, right. or maybe you top deck into it. Um, yep. If you're running a two card combo and you have zero tutors, for example, my Nid deck has a couple of these, like uh, Leveler and uh, Lab Manor Jace. Those those combos are in there, but I have zero way to find them. 
Right. I have to deck into them. And so because of that, I typically don't find those combos until like turn 12 or later. Right. And, And that's the point. Like you... That's the conversation. Because right. if I just ask you the question, how many game-ending combos do you have of two cards? Okay, how many combos do you have of three or more cards? And you tell me I have two game-enders with two cards, and I have three game-enders with three or more cards. Well, that, that doesn't That sounds mean... scary. It sounds scary, because it's like, wait, you have five combos in this deck? But then you go through all the other pieces, and it's like, I don't have a way to tutor for them. I'm not going to try and find them. If I get them, I get them. And they only combo in this way, this way, or this way. Right. Right? That's that's two things that are both true that are totally separate from each other in the context of how powerful is your deck. Right. Right? Uh, it, like, that's that's why, you know, that's why I specifically used Deadeye Navigator before. Because it is an infamous card for being able to combo with things. And it can combo with a lot of different stuff. So if I have one go find a creature tutor versus a whole bunch of go find a dead eye navigator and win the game. The other even if I've got ten things to combo with it in my deck, right. if my deck is built to do one thing, or if it's built to interact with a thing if I get it, huge difference. The other important thing to think about here is um especially when you were asking like what even is a one card combo? Um, a lot of the time when you're thinking about a combo, you're also thinking about how that relates to your commander, right? Because you yeah. almost always have access to your commander, at least from the beginning of the game, you should have right. good access to it. Um, and if one of your combos is, say, a two-card combo and one of those cards is your commander, it's almost like that's a one-card combo because okay. you only need to find one card. So a two-card combo where one of the cards is your commander, I would say, is a very dangerous combo. Very powerful. Gotcha. Niv, Niv, Mizzet, Curiosity. curiosity. Yeah. Okay. Got it. You'll find so a lot like, of hey, yeah, a lot of cards like okay. that. That makes sense. Okay. I, that checks out then. Um, all right. So, again, overall, I really like it as a thought exercise, right? It's made me yeah. look at a lot of my decks differently. It made me think that my decks are... Most of my decks are in a high-power casual EDH scale according to this chart. And I didn't have a way to think about them other than, you know, saying, like, you know, most of my decks are going to try and do the winning play. Maybe not win the game, but the winning play in those, like, six to eight turn range. Maybe they're faster if I'm doing the group hug stuff and I'm trying to get everybody into their win conditions, like, an extra turn or two early. Right. But I kind of like that as a principle. High power casual. <laughs> it's, I don't know. It's, Which is, you know, it. that's why this extra access, the interaction access is so important. Because if you told me like, mm-hmm. hey, my deck's consistently winning by turn six or trying to win by turn six, I'd be like, wow, mm-hmm. that's a really strong deck. But then you say, right. oh, I have one spot removal, zero counter yeah. spells and zero board wipes. Like, oh, okay. Right. And then you and I get into the conversation of, Oh, don't worry. If, if we were just going off of this like it was gospel, and I'm not doing that to Beebles. Beebles literally says, hey, yeah, don't it's use a this way for of looking zero. at it. Yeah. Uh, and I, I love what they've done, and I love the explanation there. This is yeah. a really cool uh, chart. It it's looks a really cool, good too. Thought piece. Um, I, 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 I love the idea that we're like, hey, I have a high power, low impact reactive deck. 
right? So it's like, okay, I'm like a seven or an eight in the power level, but don't worry, I've, I've got like a couple of emergency cards. And you and I hear that and it's like, okay, cool, a couple of emergency cards, like three or four. And then there's also the idea of up to 10. And it's like, well, wait a second. <laughs> yeah, I'm really low in erection. I only run 10 counterspells. Like, oh my God. No, 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 no. Sorcery speed. Sorcery oh, speed. Oh, 10 I sorcery C&C. speed counterspells. Yeah, 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 yeah. That would, man. That I created would a, a custom card one time. It got shut down, of course, like all my custom cards got shut down. But it was <laughs> it was just a really simple design. It was zero mana, counter target spell, sorcery speed. Nice. Nice. <laughs> I thought it was quite elegant. They thought that was really yeah. stupid. But, you know. Well, I mean, listen, two things can be right at the same time. <laughs> um, it can be elegantly hey, stupid. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, that's what a savant is, right? Um, Alex, if anybody wanted to ask you about the the be-all, end-all power level of their decks and submit them to you so you could tell them exactly what their deck power level Oh, boy, level what are you signing and, me up for? Um, and, you know, hey, can you please tell me if this is a 7.5 or Oh, my 8.2? God, don't do this, guys. How, how would they interact <laughs> with you? You are free to hit me up on Twitter. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be rating the power level of your deck. My goodness. Uh, it's at Lappermedic, L-A-P-P-E-R-M-E-D-I-C. Uh, what I thought would be more appropriate to talk about is uh, we've spoken a lot about combos, two-card and three-card combos, mm-hmm. about combos of various power levels, uh, locking out the game, being more or less powerful, more or less consistent. If uh, combos interest you, maybe you don't know a lot about them or maybe you're super into them, you can check out my website, com- uh, commanderspellbook.com which is uh, indexing all the combos in EDH that we can find. We're up to 11,000 combos. Um, why don't you type in your favorite commander and see what comes up. Thank you for listening to the podcast, everybody. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at EDH underscore social. Uh, you can also follow the show notes to get into our Discord channel and be able to talk with us about things like this. This was something that uh, Lapper put up in the discord and frankly we get a lot of our subjects and a lot of our topics we do from people in our there. members are great and it's cozy and it's nice and frankly we love all the people in there we do wouldn't mind having more hi everybody hey what are you doing come on in have a conversation with us we do a lot of uh talking about rules we do a lot of talking about different card interactions weird cards that we haven't seen talking about deck lists and thankfully uh, not a whole lot of, hey, everybody, tell me what power level this card is, because you're going to get 10 people different answer with 10 different numbers. I mean, individual <laughs> cards sure. on a power scale, it, it makes little sense. Anyway, that's off the point. Yeah. We, yeah. we love talking with our listeners. It is very cozy because we don't have a lot of listeners, but that's okay. Mm-hmm. We love yeah. everybody who we have in there. If you're listening to us right now and you're not in that Discord channel, We'd love to have you. What are you, you. doing? Yeah, what are you doing? Seriously, what are you, what are you doing, doing with your life? Uh, show us that one card that we've never heard of. Impress everybody in the room. Talk to us about what you want us to make a, an episode about. Show us your weird <laughs> deck. Maybe we do a deck check about it. Uh, maybe you made a piece of magic content, like uh, you wrote an article or something. We'd love to, to talk yeah. with you about it. Sharing is caring. I, you know what? I don't even have anything to add to that. So until next time, we'll talk to you soon.